Well, normally you see me up here with a guitar in my hand, so I'm feeling a little vulnerable right now. So if you guys, uh, you know, can bear with me, I'm going to try to teach this morning. (laughs) And y'all, I love music so much. The music has taught me how to praise my Father in heaven in in a very tangible and expressive way. It's taught me the gospel, but I also in eighth grade, received this very Bible right here, and with the Word of God, I fell in love with my Creator in heaven. As I gradually dug deeper and deeper into His Word, I realized that He is far more loving than I can even comprehend. He is far greater than words can even express, far more beautiful than my eyes can even see. And so I love music. I love the scripture and I love story and I'm going to pair all three of those things together for you this morning. Y'all, in uh, 1974, some of you may remember that year, Harry Chapin, the beautiful singer-songwriter, wrote his first and only number one song, The Cats in the Cradle. You might know it. It's a haunting story. Uh, It tears my heart out every time I listen to it. About a father who was always far too busy with work and bringing home the bills and traveling that he never spent time with his son. And nevertheless, his son always looked up to him saying things like, I'm going to be like you, dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. Till one day, many years later, the father realizes that his son pursued the same life of career, travel, and financial gain the way that he did and realized much, much too late that his son really did grow up to be just like him. It's a cautionary tale about who and what really matters most. For some of you, it hits really close to home. It's not just a song or a tale you've heard, it's a life you've lived. I think most of us could sing that chorus in the room this morning. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You'll know we'll have a good time then. Ooh, talk about heartbreak. But a story is a story, and with every story comes a lesson to be learned. And for my dad, it wasn't just a song he heard on the radio. It was a life that he lived. You see, when my dad was 18, he ran away from his home in New Jersey all the way to Iowa, as far as his money would take him. His home life wasn't a good one. His dad had a severe drinking problem, left their family no less than a dozen times. Once for an entire year, he was gone. And things were going great for my dad at college until his sophomore year when his money ran out and he had no other option but to return to New Jersey and get a job digging ditches for a landscape company. He was miserable. So miserable that drinking and drugs quickly became the path that he was heading on. Until one fateful day, while he was digging ditches on the side of a highway, he heard that beautifully haunting Harry Chapin song on the radio. And it was as if our Father in heaven reached down to my dad's soul and spoke to him, George, you don't have to live life like your dad. You can break the cycle of your past and move on to your future. So, that next semester, my dad re- returned back to college in Iowa. Two years later, he married my mom. And shortly after that, he gave his life to Jesus. Yeah. 
And what's amazing about that is his decision to give his life to Jesus changed the course of our family's history forever. My dad says it this way. It's not where you come from or how you start, it's how you finish. So dads, moms, grandmas, grandpas, men, women, young and old, whoever you are and wherever you've come from, you may have messed up a lot in your life. Lord knows I have. But it is never too late to get back up and start again. There is still time to finish well. And just as God's beautiful mercies are brand spanking new every morning, Jesus always presents us with new beginnings. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 is going to be our scripture this morning that we're going to be dissecting. And the the writer of Hebrews says these beautiful words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you yourself won't be weary and give up. So y'all, I believe that God's word can speak for itself, but I also believe that there's so much fruit to dig out of its soil. So let's dig into this passage a little bit. The first thing Paul tells us to do in finishing this race, well, is to remember those who've gone before us and follow their example. He uses the term, a cloud of witnesses. But who's he talking about? Witness in this context does not mean a spectator like at a sporting event. They're not witnessing you and I in our walk. Rather, they are bearing witness for us so that we can look to them and see the fruit of their labor, see the step-by-step journey that they take, see that when they fell down, they got back up and they fixed their eyes upon Christ all the way to the finish line. And just as he did with all the faithful men and women who have gone before, he now gets to use them As a witness to us, I consider them to be like holy cheerleaders proclaiming Philippians 1, 6 over us that says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I love that phrase, carry it on to completion, because you know what that means? God finishes what he starts. And he's got a plan for every single one of you, and he finishes what he starts. What a perfect example to follow. So I I do have to wonder if that day my dad was digging that ditch, carrying that heavy load from his past, that God didn't use Harry Chapin in his song as a witness to my father saying to him, George, your past does not have to define your future. You don't have to follow your dad's example of drinking and abandonment for I will give you new perfect examples to follow. Because let's face it, y'all, there's a lot of bad examples out there we could follow but there's also a lot of great examples that God provides us with. Each of us has a choice to make. We could choose the good, we could choose the bad, or we could choose the best example to follow. And I want to choose the best example to follow. Maybe the Lord has given you great earthly examples like all those men listed in the previous chapter before of Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith. Write it down. Check it out for yourself later because it's filled, chock full 
with great men and women who've gone before us. Entire chapter of solid examples of men and women who lived by faith, ran with endurance, and finished well. Maybe he's given you great examples in the here and now, like a mom or dad, grandpa and grandma, aunt, uncle, teacher, coach, pastor, what have you. But even if you haven't had any of those, he promises that he will be there to be your example. As Psalm 119, 105 says, as a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Our passage says to keep our eyes on Jesus as the perfect example, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. There's two things here to focus on. He initiates and he perfects. When he initiates, it's like him jump-starting our faith. He gets us going off that starting line. And wherever the starting line begins for you, Jesus will meet you where you're at and perfect your faith along the way. And y'all, this doesn't mean that we have to be perfect, because Lord knows we ain't. (laughs) But he will refine us, sharpen us, and teach us to build our endurance with his perfection to run the race that he's marked out for each and every one of us. Jesus is there to help us when we're broken down, when we're exhausted, when we've fallen flat on our face and tripped up again and again. Because we don't have to be perfect, thank the Lord, because he is. And he will lead us every step of the way. But he does challenge us here. We do have to allow him to help us back up and get back in the race. Let's look at Philippians 1.6 again that says, we can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So my friends, are you willing to get back in the race and allow God to carry on the good work that he started on you all the way to completion? If so, if you're desiring that completed work in your life, if you're desiring to finish well following the best example, don't wait till next year. Don't wait till next month or next week or when you think you're strong enough, good enough, capable enough, or smart enough, or when you finally feel like you've gotten it all together because I assure you, friends, that day is never going to come. We're not perfect, but we must remember we don't have to be perfect because his perfection completed everything for us, and we simply get to follow his footsteps along the way. And when you feel like something that the cat dragged in, and some days you will, remember that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So let's remember this. Number one, remember those who have gone before us and follow their example. And then Paul instructs us with number two. And this is the hard, challenging one that we're going to need to dig in a little bit deeper with. Strip off every weight that slows us down. I love that the scripture says this, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So friends, what are the things in your life holding you down, keeping you back, slowing you down, and tripping you up in this race? Do you feel like a runner who just has a ball and chain around their ankle? Because that ain't going to work. But far too many times... We allow foolishness and selfishness and self-gratitude to take over that we just carry that weight on this journey and we never make it very far. He wants us to strip it off, to throw it away. The, The version I grew up reading was the NIV translation and it says this, the sin that easily entangles or ensnares and it comes from this Greek translation that I'm gonna try not to butcher this morning, euperistatos. 
What I like about this word, euperistatos, it kind of sounds like on guard, right? I'm not good at fencing. I tried it once. I'm horrible at fencing. But on guard is a term that they use to be on guard, to protect and defend yourself and to attack. And I believe that that's exactly what Paul is instructing us to do here with this translation, that you can't just stand idly by. You need to guard yourself, guard your heart, and attack the sin that so easily trips you up. So this Greek word, what I love about Greek translations is it's not just one word, like in English. It's like Greek word has a whole page of definition. It's, it's astounding. I love it. But it translates these four ways, easily avoided, admired, ensnaring, or dangerous. So in taking this literally, let's challenge ourselves this morning. What are the easily avoidable sins in your life that hinder your endurance in finishing well? Are you holding on to past hurts and unforgiveness of others? Are you making, making this case to just stay on like, this bitterness toward yourself and holding on to past mistakes and unforgiveness of yourself? Or struggles that happened 20 years ago that still bleed into your soul? Y'all, you can choose this day, this very moment to let go, forgive, move forward, and run the race and finish well. Secondly, what are the sins that you admire and enjoy? Are there good things in your life that you must lay aside because they're actually holding you back from the finish line? Good things like work or hobbies or recreation or technology or my favorite, food. They can all be good things until suddenly they're not. And y'all, you know this better than I do. The biggest hindrance to great is good. It's good enough. And, and Pastor Ray can tell you firsthand, a winning athlete does not choose between the good and the bad. No, a winning athlete chooses between better and best. So ask yourself, friends, is there something that you enjoy that is holding you back from being really great in what God has called you to be? You having fun yet? You like this uh, digging deep into the emotional soul? All right, let's keep going. <laughs> hey, this is for me too, y'all. All right, what are the harmful sins in your life that have created traps for you that you keep falling into? Pitfalls is what the Bible calls them. Perhaps it's what you watch or scroll through on your phone or when you're hanging out with the guys or the girls on a Friday night or when you're lonely or tired or stressed or discouraged. And lastly, and this is the hard-hitting one, what are the dangerous sins in your life that not only hurt you but hurt those you love the most? Is it a bitterness or a resentment or a stewing and discontent that continually hurts you and those you love? Is it that one more drink, that one more hit, that one more look that is never, ever satisfied, that holds you back from taking hold of the life and calling God has for you? Y'all, are you willing to strip off that weight, to throw off everything that easily entangles you and run the race marked out for you? to rid your life of anything that holds you back from serving God with your absolute best. I love how the book of Joshua puts it in regards to serving. We all have a choice in this, and he's very blunt with the congregation back then. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household... We will serve the Lord. We had this hanging up on a placard in our bathroom growing up, and I remember reading it all the time. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
You see, when my dad made the choice to change the course of our family's history by giving his life over to Jesus, he not only made the choice for himself on whom he would serve, he made the choice for our entire family that we would serve the Lord. And I tell you now, it makes all the difference in our history because I've got a whole row of family members right over here. I've got four kids myself. And I've got nieces and nephews. My, my mom and dad have grandkids that are now serving the Lord because of a choice that he and my mom made. It's powerful, y'all. And I also have the choice to make every single day that me and my house will serve the Lord. And honestly, y'all, I make a lot of mistakes in this journey. As a father of four myself, I get tripped up on my own sins, usually centered around my selfishness. My wife's right there, row three, just ask her. (laughs) Before I got married, my brother used to tell me, Josh, when you get married, you realize how selfish you are. Then you have kids, and you realize how selfish you still are. (laughs) So speaking of good examples to follow on service, I turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 45, that says, for even the Son of Man, Jesus Christ himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I don't think I really understood the concept of serving until I got married and had kids of my own. That the stripping off of my wants, my entanglements, and dying to myself by putting my God, my wife, my kiddos, and all others first, in that order, I must add, is a daily and lifelong pursuit. And because I made the decision to serve the Lord, I'm not going to let any little trip-ups or entanglements stop me from getting back up and continuing to move forward. I'm a child of God, and with His continual help, with His power, and with faith to keep on keeping on, I'm not going to let myself or anyone else keep me from running the race that He has marked out for me. Sure, I can make excuses all day long, but when push comes to shove, it's all on me. Whether I chose to run faithfully to the finish or whether I gave up because it just got too hard. And why is that so important to know? Because the journey and the race and the road is not an easy one. The devil will hit you really hard and try to get you off track. He'll try to change your direction and focus any way he can. And he's pretty good at it. And because of that, we desperately need God's help in this. And so the first thing he tells us to do is follow the example of those who've gone before. And the second thing he commands us to is strip off everything that easily entangles us so that we can run. I'm a huge fan of the Rocky movies. Any men in the room? Rocky? Whew. I don't even know how many of them there are now. It's in the number that I can't even like quantify. Like there's a trilogy. And then after that, I don't know how to say it. But I think there's like nine of them. But in Rocky Balboa, movie six, Rocky challenges his son to stop looking at his past and blaming other people for where he is and where he's not, to stop blaming his dad for creating a shadow of success that he falls under, and to run the race that was marked out for him and run it well. I think Sylvester Stallone says it beautifully, so uh, I hooked up the clip for y'all to watch this morning. Here we go. A lot of wisdom in that, right? Yeah, so the movie's called Rocky Balboa. Go rent it. You can watch it tonight. It's wicked good. Love it. 
But I love the end of that quote that he says, you got to be willing to take the hit and not point fingers at anybody saying you ain't where you at because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I often like to think of God actually saying that to me. I made you better than that. I know my dad sure said it. Josh, I raised you better than that. And you know what, church? They're absolutely right. Our good Father in heaven created each of us really, really well. And he created us to run. And we run and we're called to run because you know what? And all of you know this. Life is too short and far too precious to waste our time on things that don't matter. God has set before you a race. Every one of us must run it. And it will involve effort. It will involve commitment. And it will not be easy. But, I love but in the Bible. It's like the best word. But God has promised that he will never leave you or forsake you along the journey. All right, friends, let's recap real quick. To run this race well, we need to, one, remember those who've gone before us and follow their example. Two, the hard challenge for today, strip off every weight that slows us down. And lastly, it's my favorite, run and finish with joy. What I love about joy is it's not circumstantial. It's not relying on the elements or what happens to you or around you. It's not like happiness that's elusive and hard to hold on to. No, joy is substantial and sustained by a power far greater than us. Joy is a gift given to each of us by our Father in heaven who says, I made you better than that. So let's do this together. And y'all, my friends, how do we finish with joy? Sounds a lot easier than it is, but it's really good. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. For it's in looking to him that we were saved. For to look means to trust, to say, Jesus, your way is the only way. And looking to Jesus describes this attitude and lifestyle of faith. It's not a single act or a one-time decision. For some of us, it's daily. If you're like me, it's moment by moment choosing to fix my eyes on Jesus and trust him throughout the journey. It's my favorite verse, and as the psalmist says, to turn my eyes from looking at worthless things that don't matter and pursue life in your way. And y'all, I want that kind of life. Anybody with me this morning? Yeah. So in my pursuit of that, I will pray the same prayer that Jesus himself prayed when he said to his father, I will put my trust in you, in my father in heaven. Jesus prayed daily. He sought the will of his father daily. He fixed his eyes on the goal daily. And the fact that Jesus prayed is evidence that he himself lived by faith and trusted his father and the call that he had in his life. And how do we know that? Because he finished really well. And he also knew the things he had to endure. He had to endure the cross. He went through far more pain, far more unimaginable hardship and temptation than any of us ever have or will. And you know what? He never once tripped up and he never once lost focus. Therefore, Jesus Christ is the perfect example, the best example for every single one of us to follow. And just what was it that enabled our Lord to endure the cross and finish really well? He, like us, know the end of the story. 
It says, my brother always said, we know who wins. I read the end of the book. I see who wins. And y'all, he's our captain. He's our champion. He's the author and finisher of our faith. So therefore, I know I can trust him all the way to the finish. Our passage goes on to say this, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Y'all, he had the faith that what God says is true, and he himself kept his eyes fixed upon his father and upon the joy that was set before him. He knew that God's will is perfect and good, and that what looks like hardship in the presence with joyful endurance only leads to a beautiful completion. Jesus finished the race marked out for him. He finished it well. He finished it with joy. And because he is the author and finisher of our faith, I trust that no matter what I face on this journey and run, that God is always good, always faithful, and I choose to follow him all the way to the finish. So if you're with me in this, let's make it our goal to serve the Lord every day. When we fall down, we will not allow ourselves to stay fallen. No, we will choose to get back up, to keep running the race marked out for us, and to finish well. And someday, I pray to hear the words from my Father in heaven, and I pray the same prayer for you, when he will say, well done, good and faithful servant, for you had fought the good fight, you had finished the race, and you had kept the faith. Forty years ago, this summer, my dad gave his life to Christ. He will tell you how many times he made mistakes that had to be made right, how many times he fell on his face and had to get back up, how many times he wanted to quit but didn't. He will tell you how every time Jesus was right there picking him back up, brushing him off and telling him, George, I'm running the race with you, so let's get going. So if you've been knocked down, and you're beating yourself up and you're wanting to quit, our our passage ends with these beautifully encouraging words. Think of all the hostility Jesus endured from sinful people, and you won't become weary and give up. To remember Jesus had endured far more than we can even understand, and to know that he finished well, completing the will of his Father. So y'all, in closing, remember those who've gone before you. Follow their example. And know that the best example to follow is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Number two, the challenge to strip off every weight that easily slows you down and entangles you. And lastly, run with joy and finish well. And remember, friends, it's not where you come from or how you start. It's how you finish. So let Jesus pick you back up, brush you off, and help you get going again because dads, moms, grandmas, grandpas... Men, women, young and old, it's never too late to get back in the race. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I can't even describe with words of how amazingly awesome you are. Our language can't even cut it. The Greek and Hebrew language can't even cut it. You are fantastic and you love us. Wow. But Lord, We want to love you well. We want to pursue the best that you have for us, and we want to finish this race with joy and thanksgiving. So God, instill in us a desire to throw off every weight that holds us back from finishing the race well and help us to run with endurance the race you've marked out for each of us. It is in the name of Jesus that all God's people praise and say, 
Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.